Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrenti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all the support, as always. We've got another great episode today. Going to continue on through our Division Breakdown series. Was joined on today's episode of the podcast by Matthew McCarthy. Uh, Matt is the Senior Redraft Analyst for Gridiron Ratings and does some of the expert ranking over with Fantasy Pros. So Matt joined me to break down the NFC South, the Saints, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Falcons. We got into it all. Great conversation. Runs for a little bit, uh, a little bit more than forty-five minutes or so. So we're going to get right into it. If you haven't already, please consider uh, rating five stars for this podcast, leaving a review, subscribing if you haven't already, and check out the Dynasty Draft Room podcast over on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network feed. Uh, We've been breaking down some 2021 projections a little bit more in detail, uh, statistic-wise, for the 2021 season. Uh, Myself, Ryan Searfoss, and Eric Adams. So make sure to check that out as well. But we're going to get right into this conversation with Matt and break down everything we need to know regarding the NFC South. All right, joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Matthew McCarthy. Matt is a senior redraft analyst for Gridiron Ratings, and he's one of the expert rankers over on Fantasy Pros and was one of the first people I got to connect with in this uh, crazy little world on Fantasy Twitter. So, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time to finally come on the podcast and talk NFC South, brother. Yeah, listen, this is a great division. Obviously, I'm a giant Saints fan for sure, 100%. (laughs) Uh, So this is the division I want to talk about. I like talking about a lot. And, yeah, we were actually – because you were in that last pod standing – uh, yeah. League, right. Yeah. So the uh, whole pod uh, pod league of like under 100 or 200 like followers. And now I think we're both over 2000 or whatever you're at now and doing these shows. And it's kind of crazy how like much a difference a year makes uh, being yeah. in this space. So it, it really is. It was like last year. I remember probably uh, like a little over a year ago. You know, doing the first couple episodes of this show and being like, I wonder if anybody will ever hear this or how long I will actually stay committed to it. But oh, yeah, it's been a, been a fun ride for sure. But um, yeah, NFC South is a pretty interesting division. I mean, there's oh, yeah. some shakeup. There's some players retired. Some, you know, Breeze retires. Tom Brady's still around. We got Sam Darnold in Carolina. And uh, Julio, obviously not in Atlanta. But we'll kind of start from the Saints, work our way down the standings and doesn't kind of get bigger headline i guess than drew Brees retires he's been there for so long and now we're all wondering how does quarterback shake out right is it going to be Taysom hill is it going to be Jameis winston i it's it's a gross situation i've ended up with shares of both players like in super flex leagues just trying to guess the way that it's going to go what is your read on the situation right now what's your gut tell you you think it's going to be winston or Taysom hill gets the starting quarterback job there it's tough so for fantasy purposes, if you want just a quarterback and you just want one of them for your team, you're being selfish. I think you want Taysom Hill just because of the rushing, right? So an average around 52 yards in the four starts he had in the little pocket sort of a uh, little season he had just within the middle of the year. One of those games was that weird Denver no quarterback game I was looking back <laughs> yeah. on. That was a fun time. Uh, but if you're looking for to help the entire team as a whole, I think it's Jameis. And the big reason is I think this is currently standing as one of the worst offenses in the NFL. This is a really tough task. You have Thomas, we're going to get to, but you have no longer Emmanuel Sanders. You have no more Jared Cook. Those are three outside of Kamara, big passing options that they had. So now we are really depending on guys that players in Traycon Smith, who have been waiting to break out, Marquez Calloway, who has 
very little snaps. Troutman, I think, could take the second year leap. But it's a whole lot of ifs, maybes, you know, let's see what happens. And it starts at quarterback. There's a possibility that, honestly, they're using a two-quarterback system. They kind of like doing that with Taysom Hill regardless, back when he was listed as a tight end. (laughs) So it's going to be a real question. I think if I had to give an edge, I'm technically leaning Jameis. But we don't know. I don't think anyone as actually has a real reign on this outside of the New Orleans Saints coaching staff. You know, this is a very tough situation about you have Breeze has been their mainstay for, you know, decade plus. This is an offense that has been leading the leading yards and pass attempts and all the fun categories for a decade plus. This is a complete transition year. I think they're going to disappoint a lot of people. Yeah, it's a weird situation. And it, it's like depending on league settings and scoring and all that stuff, you really do, like, if you need a player at the position, like, you kind of got to try and call your shot. Yeah. Um, I Like, I play in one of Matt Hicks's, uh, like, DCL. It's like a 24-team Debbie League, and it's super flex. And the only quarterback I had is Trevor Lawrence, and I had to trade for Jameis Winston, and it felt so gross. Like, I uh. traded for Jameis Winston. <laughs> it was like, ah, can't even stand how it feels but i agree i think that if i had to pick one right now i think winston ends up the guy but i still think you know you get that Taysom hill usage that you always kind of got when breeze was there but at the same time even though i feel like winston will get the starting job it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it ended up being Taysom hill like uh, it's such a weird situation to try and predict like it's really like the biggest coin flip training camp situation that's going to shake out i feel like yeah it's strange i mean we saw that james has the five thousand yards sort of possibility he has the 30 plus touchdowns sort of look that he can went over them when you know, tampa bay there's some hits against some T- tampa bay in that first year with the uh, arians he has a very known tough playbook hell brady struggled for the first half of the year um last season until they really hit their stride in the second half of the year and we're gonna get to tampa bay for sure but you know, there's a they were focused on deep passing, high risk situations. Yeah, also the LASIK thing. Like if you can now see, that's cool. Uh, I like that. Technically, <laughs> I blew Twitter's mind. I don't need these to see, and everyone lost their mind. I just use them for blue light, and because I think they look uh, they look good on me. But um, if you can see now, great. Uh, but Taysom Hill, really, it's just a matter of the rushing if that whole matters. And but there's a whole lot of other things to get to on this team. And if we want to just jump into a disaster, possibly offensively, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've got the the lingering Michael Thomas injury situation now, and like you said, it, it's kind of curious how it affects not only his 2021 season but the rest of the passing game options there. Like, are we finally going to get a Traquan Smith breakout, Marquez Callaway, somebody that you said that has real limited experience and. I think we're all kind of hoping for an Adam Troutman breakout just for the sake of the tight end position. Um, but it, who are you who are you hitching your wagon to in terms of pass catchers there after Michael Thomas, you know, assuming that you're willing to roll the dice on the injury dip there? It's a real issue. So there's a few things around Thomas, and, you know, how how long is he going to be out? What round should you take him? Those sort of questions, right? Because if I want to say optimistically, because he should have gotten this surgery way, you know, last season. Yeah. During he was this is a lingering thing. It's going to possibly bother him into this year, even if he's technically clear at some point. Optimistically, I'm saying week seven right now. They have a week six by October 25th is Monday Night Football, and week seven at Seattle. That seems like a good starting point. We'll just start that he misses five games plus the bye. Cool, right? 
So if he misses that, I think about round 10 or so is I think the earliest I can look at him. Any earlier than that, I'm getting a little scheme, you know, a little skeevish with all that. So it's like, okay, so what does the first month plus look like for New Orleans? Currently, my favorite pass catcher besides Kamara, totally different story. Yeah. Is Adam Troutman just because of the position. Traquan Smith, Marcus Callaway, these are guys that have not had a lot of usage. So Traquan Smith's been trying to break out for three years. It's only 80 receptions in his career. Marcus Callaway only saw real playing time last year with it when Thomas or Smith or Sanders, whenever pretty much he was just filling in, which is like week seven, 16, 17. There's not a lot really to go on. He wasn't really seeing, you know, much sort of work otherwise. And then the currently third receiver is Deontay Harris. Uh, he's been arrested. He was arrested for a DUI. Uh, so don't really know what's going to go on with that. So we're not really optimistic yeah. with this receiving corner. Which <laughs> is why great. Troutman is my favorite because this feels like the 2021 version of Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas with Washington last year was really needed. They were desperate for offensive production. He's at a position that we're not typically super enthralled with like more than two or three guys. So if you can get a second year breakout tight end, he's not being going to be drafted as a top 12 tight end, but if he's going to be looked at as someone you can possibly pair with another low end tight end towards back end of your draft, possibly get that upside. If they're just needing to be really productive through the air, Troutman has some sort of looks that he can possibly be a threat over the middle of the field. And if he's that needed because the outside threats are just not really anything worth looking at. The good thing for him is that he attacks the same sort of part of the field as Alvin Kamara. So linebacker safeties already have to be on the lookout. If they're, you know, if Kamara starts running out wide for a reception and you have Troutman able to break away from single linebacker coverage, that's something they can possibly take advantage of. So really for me, he's my favorite of the group in terms of rankings. He's going to come around tight end 14. The other two receivers are going to be like a round receiver 45 or worse with Thomas technically being my preferred drafting of any New Orleans receiver, and he's still deep in the 40s as well. I think that's all totally fair. And we've mentioned a couple times, like not counting him in with the rest of the pass catchers, but Alan Kamara, we still, you still view him as an elite option, both short and long-term, or do you have concerns with kind of the state of the quarterback position there and the lack of other weapons on the outside, aside from Thomas, if and when he returns? So there is some splits last year there. He was averaging around like 30 fantasy points when Thomas was out, right? Here's the issue. They did have a, it was a, this was a different offense last year, not even including Breeze. You still had Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook. who are better technically on paper than anything else the Saints are currently using. So it's not a traditional just insert players here and we get the same result. So I don't want to overstate how good this team can be long term for redraft purposes. If you want to go with him directly after Christian McCaffrey at, at the number two overall, I'm fine with it. I think he's just going to get a ton of receiving work that's going to be able to really utilize what he's special at, and that's receiving work. He's not going to be running into the lines. They do have Latavius Murray. Hell, they even brought in Devonta Freeman. If they're just kind of throw those guys into the line, that's fine. Yeah. That, that doesn't benefit Alvin Kamara. I don't care about him. He Can you go and rush? Cool. He can do anything he really wants. He's that special of a player. But anytime I don't have to see a guy of Kamara's talent just running three yards dead ahead and have 600 combined pounds crushing down on him from different players, I'm personally fine with it. <laughs> so Kamara, if you want to go behind Cook or Barkley or whatever, that's fine. He's going to be top five at the worst. Totally cool with that. Uh, New Orleans Saints really need him to be that special player like full bore otherwise this offense it's going to struggle for the first five weeks and after that with thomas we don't know but there's a possibility because he, the one thing used against thomas all the time 
is that he's the slant guy. Yeah. He's Mr. <laughs> slant man. But if I know I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be, but those quick turns and those quicks, you have to pivot and really plant on your foot. If he's having problems with his ankle and his, and his ligaments down here, if there's one person who would really need all this sort of stuff to stay stable, it sounds like a guy who Thomas, who really needs that to hit the routes that he's currently running. So the possibility for re-injury, again, not a medical expert. I'm just saying if you want to be pessimistic, I think this is a player you could definitely be pessimistic on and just simply not draft. But do not draft as a starter. He's not looking like that, and he shouldn't be considered at that right now. He's just a really high upside, you know, first bench player sort of guy. I, I For the average person, he's a real risk to be taken in fantasy drafts for sure, especially since we don't know when he's exactly coming back. Yeah, the Saints are a team that the season could really go off the rails. Like, depending on what happens at quarterback. Super quick, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, could, it could get ugly fast. And we could be talking about them as a team, you know, in position for Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, one of these guys next year. But um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers feel like a bit of a different story. A little I mean, bit. A little yeah, bit. <laughs> um, obviously, reigning Super Bowl champs, they bring everybody back, get the whole band back together, trying to oh, yeah. run the whole thing back. Um, Tom Brady is just, I think has insane fantasy potential this year. We I've talked with a couple different people. I really think it sounds like a gaudy number to just throw out there, but I really think like, you know, 50 touchdowns is in the range of outcomes for Tom this year. Um, it is, it's, it could be the, the thing that has me so in on Tom Brady, not even just like redraft wise, I'm in on Tom Brady, but even like in startups this year in Superflex like dynasty leagues i was in on tom brady because okay if it's two years of tom brady fine whatever but a i'm done playing the guessing game on when tom brady is going to be done like i feel like i've been trying to guess it for five six seven years like i'm done trying to predict when tom will hang him up and b like if you're looking at it from a two to three year window Tom Brady's getting drafted in Superflex. I don't have the number for this uh, for July, but through like May and June, he was getting drafted in Superflex Dynasty startups as like the quarterback twenty-two or twenty-three. Like, I'll take a year of Tom Brady at that value to try and win the whole thing in year one, and then figure it out down the road. But I think Tom could be good enough that. I guess the bigger question is. Can he be good enough that Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and even somebody like Antonio Brown all maintain season-long fantasy relevance? So it's a really question because so I'm a redraft guy. We talked about it. So lead into the show, I'm the redraft guy over at, at uh, Gridiron Rings. I you know there's I'm looking at 2021, and it, technically today, happy birthday, TB! It is his 44th birthday. So I just want to start there because I understand your birthday with the true goat Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's half. I think he's literally half his age. Yeah, I saw that Schefter tweet earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a 22 year old and you have a 44 year old, and the problem with the 44 year old is that he's 44. (laughs) That's my okay. We're really crazy. You know, we're congratulations to him winning a Super Bowl. He's still showing that it was he he earned his, you know, his all his Super Bowl wins over with the Patriots. He kind of stuck it to the entire league. Congratulations to him. That entire team completely hit its stride in the second half of the year. So here's my big problem. One, he's 44. I like to think that we give all this crap to old players, but two guys kind of get away with being old and no one really likes to talk about it. One is Brady. 
because he just kind of keeps doing things and we're like okay he should probably stop at some point and two is travis kelsey and that's a different story completely but that is a, that's a fair point <laughs> he's gonna be 32 in october and he's a first round pick and he's the only one that's like over the age of like 28 who's even going near the first round so i understand he's been the tight end one for five years i'm just kind of like the only guy who's been saying like hey you know he just had a career at age 31 he has to be 32 i just want to say all that but okay back to break <laughs> He has no rushing upside whatsoever. Like he'll probably have negative rushing yards on the season because of the kneel downs. Like maybe the 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 half yard dives, he'll do that like four or five times. Cool. Other than that, that's kind of like the start and end of his negatives. Those are just big negatives to me. Because I, I will say, first half of the year, Brady struggled at mm-hmm. times. First before week 13, five games under 20 fantasy points, six of 27 or more. So you had really feast or famine Brady in that first half of the season. And then second half of the season, the whole offense is clicking. You add Antonio Brown. You had playoff Leonard Fournette. This team really came together for a Super Bowl run, and it looked like it was an offense that just kind of needed to get itself together, and yet a whole lot of different parts getting brought all in at once. You know, Brady being new, Gronk being new, you know, Antonio Brown being new. They kind of brought all the funky bunch together. And cool, you know, Brady didn't have under 21 fantasy points besides Week 14 in Minnesota. But the rest of you, that's including playoffs, all, all including playoffs and that sort of stuff. So you go into to this year. And again, I am the redraft guy. I'm looking around 10, 11, 12 for Brady because I understand the touchdown upside. I just think it's just a he can get there with the yards and he can get there with the touchdowns, but not having the cheap points, like even 100, 200 rushing yards, just having free points matters. And he's going to have basically none of that we understand i'm actually looking at his rushing numbers for last year he had like six or seven weeks of like negative rushing (laughs) (laughs) so like that's just kind of what we're gonna have to deal with and i understand it's you know it's kind of hard to go against the goat it's just in a redraft year can we start you know really start just poking holes in anything we can you know i'll take him over guys like jalen hurts still and hurts is getting a lot of hype because if a guy who's young can rush for 50 yards a game can the Eagles offense really put it all together? That's a question mark. I understand the upside. He has a 50 touchdown upside. The problem is a few other guys also do, and they're a little mm-hmm. bit younger, mm-hmm. and they have comparable offenses. So like over with the Rams, the Rams could have a super high passing offense like this and hit, hit sure. touchdowns. LA, I love that Chargers offense coming there. Joe Lombardi come over from the New Orleans Saints <laughs> to lead that team uh, as the offensive coordinator. I think they're going to utilize guys like Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler quite well. So in there, you know, you have Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow might throw the ball 750 times this year with Cincinnati. <laughs> they might have to. Yeah. So there's, there's enough guys who can really hit that high upside. So you're trying to see what's the different sort of thing. Because am I that high on Brady? No. Dynasty's not my bag. This is totally a redraft. If you want to, Dynasty's a little bit different. I'd possibly again be, I'd probably be on the squeamish side again with a 44 year old. Uh, but the offense, yeah, I understand. Like, just saying, you know, let's hit the reset button. Not many teams are going to, no one else was doing this. You brought your entire defense and your entire offense back and you said, let's try and beat us again. Yeah. And right now they're, they're looking like that. And these, these pass catchers is really where it's start, you know, where we start and stop with this whole team. Uh, do you, let's say, do you have a favorite? Cause I'm going to tell you my favorite. Do you have a favorite pass catcher? Yeah. I'm a Mike Evans guy. Okay, that's uh, my least favorite. So let's talk. Okay, all right, that's fair. <laughs> I feel like Mike Evans is like one of the most underrated, consistently wide receivers, just in fantasy and the NFL. Now, for fantasy, I get that he's always kind of been that. Like, yeah, sure. Sometimes he's you know the wide receiver one or the wide receiver two one week. You know, has a monster blow up week and then kind of 
lets you down with a goose or, you know, has a couple subpar weeks in between. I just think I'm betting on the Brady touchdowns this year. And <laughs> I think if I'm betting on the Brady touchdowns, I'm betting on the majority of them going to Mike Evans. So for me, it probably goes Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown. But I think Antonio Brown could be like a screaming value if he can stay on the field all year long. He's my most. He's the one I'm most interested in in terms of where they're going ADP wise. Sure. Uh, so for I use Fantasy Pros full PPR ADP here. Brown is currently forty wide receiver forty one. That's one hundred fourth <laughs> overall. Godwin is wide receiver seventeen at forty four overall, and Evans is wide receiver thirteen at thirty eight overall. So close on Evans and Godwin. Sure. Generally the same range or so. Brown is interesting because after that week 13 by when all three of them were on the field and you had the entire group together, you know, all cannons blasting Brown was one was one target behind Evans for the team league in terms of, uh, of targets, Evans 63 Brown 62 Godwin six, uh, 55. And he actually led the team in red zone targets at six, you know, Evans had nine prior to week 13, uh, only one after week 13, Godwin four, three after uh, the week 13 by. So this team a little bit changed on it. It's also a matter of like who's going to really be the best receiver on a week by week basis, in terms of points per game. Because Evans finished ahead of Godwin, we had some games lost and all that. But who really beat each other out? In the games they both played together, Godwin's points per game was fifteen point nine. Evans was fourteen. So he technically beat him as wide receiver fifteen if you took Godwin's points per game, which is going to be what he finished for the year because it's just all the games he played. And fourteen would be wide receiver twenty nine. And the uh, four games that Evans played without Godwin, that's 20 fantasy points per game, which would be wide receiver three on the season. So you saw, and it seems very similar to what he did last year when uh, when Godwin was not there. So you had, uh, he's just, oh, sorry, when he was there, it was a little bit of an inconsistency because he had super huge big games in 2019. Sure. Had a 45-point game in week three in 2019. You had a 42.8 out performance in week eight, and then followed up with a 36-point uh, performance. Godwin beat him out of points per game for the whole year, 19.8 to 17.5, both in the top six. But it's just a matter of how much of those points were just coming from a few games. And Evans, we see here, when they're both on the field together, Godwin is the preferred option in terms of just a overall points basis. Now, he did he have some of the blowups like Evans did last year? No, he didn't have like the 40-point performance. You know, Evans had another 20 and a 19. We only saw those a few times from Godwin. And even when Brown got in there, Brown was actually the, uh, was the best receiver three of the last eight weeks that he was on the field with the other two receivers. So you're going to have a whole issue here of, how touchdown dependent is Evans and how strong is he really compared to the guys? Evans, I think, is a fade from you right now. He's a fade with a lot of the other high touchdown players from last year. So in the guys with, you know, big touchdown production, I'm talking about like guys like Adam Thielen, Josh Jacobs. These are all players that are going the top, were top 12 in touchdowns, but you're not really touching the first rounds because some of those real high touchdown um players you know we got guys like you know Devontae adams and we had guys like uh you know aaron jones and you know we have all these players who are going to be looking at first round you know jonathan taylor nick chubb derrick henry when you have guys sneaking into those high touchdown count numbers but we're not talking about being you know consistently productive that's when i start saying okay this is a possibly either an outlier year or it's not production we can really rely on every single week. And I typically just try to shy away from those guys. So I understand Mike Evans upside. He's up there. Yeah, he's, he is the highest upside of these three players in terms of getting points into your lineup, consistently having, you know, good production because you're trying to win weeks. Mike Evans could win your week on his own, but there's going to be times where he's going to struggle. And I'm going to be overall disappointed 
in what his production be to where I have to get him. And currently, he's the highest billing of these three players. And if Brown is going to be going so much later, I have him ranked in the mid-30s, that's actually the Bucks receiver I'm going to target of the three, even though I'm a big Chris Godwin fan. Sure. I go Godwin over Evans in terms of my ranks. Brown over all three in terms of where I can get him because that price is just way, way too good. I think it's going to rise a little bit because I'm obviously I'm it very much has to. Yeah, I'm like, very <laughs> much not the only guy who's saying go get Antonio Brown. I did a show with uh, Dave Klugin and Heath Cummings a few weeks back, and we were all kind of clamoring over each other to be the first one to say we want to take Antonio Brown. So it's really just a matter of how good his possible production can be at the price you're paying. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I really struggle to find other pass catchers. Because I know we want, you know, there's Giovanni Bernard, and yeah. then there's Rob Gronkowski, who I literally forgot existed until literally doing the notes for this today. Uh, he's technically ADP for Fantasy Pros, tight end 14. Uh, that's kind of crazy, <laughs> mate. It really is. I was I was like, whoa, I forgot he existed. Um, yeah, he only had 44 total fantasy points after the week 13 buy. Because again, that's big. That, that's when their offense changed. They, they started yeah. clicking, and Brown is involved. That was huge. Uh, 20 of those points came week 16. So he had 20 fantasy points outside the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl, yeah, he scored two touchdowns. He was great, awesome, cool. Um, he totally disappeared from this offense after the bye. I'm nowhere near in on Rob Gronkowski. I don't know if that you fair, share that sentiment or not, but I literally yeah. forgot he existed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm out on him just because I think you can, if you're taking a shot on a late tight end, there's other younger, higher upside shots I'd rather take. Um, I'd, ra- you know, I'd rather take my shot on Adam Troutman than take a shot Adam on Troutman, Brown. yeah, Gerald Everett. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Like those guys I like down there for sure, and he's not one of them. No, no. Th- this offense is uh, – I like Brady for this year, and I like the three receivers that we talked about. I'm out on Gronk, and unless it's a crazy value, I'm pretty much out on the running game. I know that Ronald Jones is – you know he could be good. Fournette's still there. I'm just kind of out on the situation as a whole. It's not something I want to – I guess they could could both be values in their own right. It's playoff um, Lenny, man. That's why yeah. I, I would have liked him not to have hit so hard last year because Ronald Jones was actually really killing it before. Yeah, he was. You know, until he got hurt and Fournette took over. Fournette was not particularly great up before the bye. Uh up until week uh before week so up until week twelve, 162 carries, eight hundred and twenty yards from Ronald yeah. Jones. That's excellent. Yeah. Forty targets, twenty seven receptions, six total touchdowns. That's great. Fournette was just really used to like to, you know, come out and give Ronald Jones a breather. 69 carries, 271 yards, nowhere near the amount of usage. 20 receptions. He was still pretty used in the receiving game, pretty equal over to Ronald Jones. Three total touchdowns. Then playoff Lenny, week 15 onward, you know, 400 yards and 92 carries, seven total touchdowns, 26 receptions. That's where we're issue right now. Technically, he's going ahead of Ronald Jones. I think I prefer Ronald Jones, and it shouldn't, but I, it's going to possibly be a, you know, coin flip just because of how good playoff Lenny was. And I hate it because Ronald Jones was killing it. And now yeah. it might be deprived of just, if one of them was the only guy. Oh, it's a great situation. We'd love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, all right. Well, the Carolina Panthers, there's some, uh, some interesting stuff here. I have long been a, a DJ Moore truther. So I am always excited to, to talk DJ Moore, but I think that, Robbie Anderson's hot start last year. And I like Robbie Anderson a lot and somebody that I still like this year, especially with Darnold in town. Now he's got the rapport with Robbie already, but DJ Moore, I feel like every year gets buried by people on Twitter (laughs) and everywhere. Like we're still waiting for the DJ Moore breakout. Like he hasn't been putting up, you know, 1100 yards every year. I know that we're sad that the touchdown number hasn't popped like crazy, but 
DJ Moore is still the preferred target for me there. If, you know, CMC aside, we'll get to him in a minute. But in terms of wide receivers, DJ Moore is the guy for me. I like Robbie late. Uh, do you think Terrace Marshall Jr. makes an impact year one with the targets that were vacated by Curtis Samuel leaving and moving on to Washington? Or is most of the passing work outside of McCaffrey kind of funneled through DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? Yeah, so let's let's hone in on Moore first and we'll, we'll go from there. It's really so more. It's very strange because people, I think, still think of Robbie Anderson as a deep threat. And last yeah. year, he was a possession that, guy. <laughs> that was yeah, that was completely different. You know, Moore had insane eighteen point one yards per reception. That I believe yep. led the league. That is insane. Yeah, uh, you know, thirteen yards of a dot, and you know, compared to Anderson's nine point seven, Moore was the deep threat. This completely changed what people thought of Anderson prior because over at, you know, with the Jets when with you know he escaped Gase and Gase could only used him in one way. Yeah. I hope Darnold gets the same sort of thing because we see players leave these Gase offenses and become pretty fantasy viable i'd like to see darnold kind of do that same more i like more on yeah, more I like more on a <laughs> points per game basis over anderson i do think he gets a little bit of a bump i'm um, pretty close in terms of like the average expert ranks around like you know low 20s 21 22 all that sort of stuff anderson he feels like the wide receiver version of the arizona running backs which is chase Edmonds. i prefer to james connor on a complete points per game basis right but they shouldn't be so far apart in terms of ADP. So mm -hmm. you have DJ Moore currently going as round wide, you know, wide receiver twenty two, pick fifty six overall, right? Robbie Anderson's going around pick eighty three. That's a little interesting because I think of them as pretty similar overall players and what you can get from a total, you know, weeks point per game situation. I prefer more. I like more. But I still have Rand Anderson ranked in you know the low twenties. I'm a little worried that he's going completely undervalued, and I don't really understand it. Same thing with Edmonds and, and Connor. They can have very equal workloads, a little bit different sort of how the style of points will come to you because I think Edmonds is going to be the preferred receiving option. Though James Connor can catch the ball. He's almost, almost at around 50 receptions each year on pace, although he always gets hurt. Same thing here. Anderson and Moore. If Anderson's going to still be used as a possession receiver, well, Darnold has shown that he doesn't, Really like going deep, but then again, he wasn't really able to have an offense that also has Christian McCaffrey and has DJ Moore and has a plethora of you know fun weapons here. So I think we're gonna see a little bit of a possible bump for both these guys. I think they're I think they're equally being drafted too low, if anything. I, I was asked on Twitter like how you're evaluating DJ Moore and Anderson. I was like, listen, if you're getting him more around like pick 22, the only thing you're gonna get is value out of this because I don't think he's gonna do any worse than that. So you're either gonna get what you paid for or better. Anderson included. I like really what's going on here with Carolina. I can't see Sam Darnold doing any worse than what you know Teddy Bridgewater did last year. His 492 attempts, 340 completions, 3,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, on 11 interceptions is not a particularly high bar to set. <laughs> <laughs> so Darnold can Darnold be just as good as Bridgewater? Of course, because honestly, he can't do much worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's and fair. Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> I hate to ever like slight Christian McCaffrey by like, oh, we'll mention him, but like, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Christian McCaffrey. He if we're talking Drew Rapp, take him one hundred and one. <laughs> like, you can't mess up Christian McCaffrey. He's so much far and away a, a better lock at that spot than anybody else. I am pulling for Sam Darnold uh, as too. a Jets fan. I I hope to see Sam Darnold thrive elsewhere out from the the clutches of Gase in an organization that yeah. pretty much did wrong by him time and time again 
I, I do think he can be uh, an upgrade over what uh, Teddy B was last year because, like you said, Teddy wasn't anything particularly great other than, you know, accurate at times, but almost got my man DJ Moore killed a couple times, hanging him out to dry in the end zone there. Yeah, a few hospital balls, man. That's You can't do those. Like, it's, the, it's bad sometimes. <laughs> the real question is, can Dan Arnold actually be a thing so we can all tweet Darnold to D Arnold on Twitter? Uh, let's say no. <laughs> Same thing with Marshall. And it's like, you know, if they're still going to be a low volume offense, I'd like to think that Matt Rule and Joe Brady can do a really good job with these younger quarterbacks and trying to like remold them to what they actually want. Uh, I think they can get this offense to where they want it to be because Darnold, you know, what is he, 24? It's not like he doesn't have possible athleticism. He's not like he's, you know, maybe he was seeing ghosts at times uh, with that Jets offense. But, yeah, there was not really much really to work with. This is a total different situation where having two outside guys like Anderson, where he does have rapport with, DJ yeah. Moore, who has all the talent in the world, and Christian McCaffrey, which literally takes so much stress off of everyone because he can go out and have a thousand thousand season. And we're just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's what kind of what he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, 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 when he's on the field, we, as great as we all know and think he is, we take him for granted. Like, oh, you know, he gets yeah. buried like into, we're just like, right, like you said, that's what he does. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Donald has certainly never had this, this group of weaponry around him. He's never had an infrastructure around him like this. And He's frankly never played for, I, I think, pretty highly of Matt Rule as a head coach. And uh, I think they've got a pretty good thing coaching staff-wise going on over there in Carolina. And he's never had uh, the best play caller Sam Darnold ever experienced with the Jets was Jeremy Bates, who I think is now back, you know, hiking through the woods someplace, right. not in the not in the NFL anymore. So, yeah, I, I'm pulling for Darnold, though. I hope he, I hope he shows out. I really do. Oh, well, for sure. Atlanta Falcons. I, we got to start with the, with the guy, Kyle Pitts. He put the, that highlight real catch out there today. I saw it on Twitter. I don't even know what more you can say about Kyle Pitts that we all haven't kind of thought about, agonized it, over it, yeah. thought about, like put out there. This guy comes in as a rookie, and I already had him projected fairly highly before the Julio trade. And I have him statted out as... The tight end three. He's only behind Kelsey and Waller. That's it. So we're going to talk a little bit about Kyle Pitts because, yeah, it's it's getting uh, worrisome. So he's now on the other side of pick 50. He's now a top 50 pick. I'm just going to say now, uh, we just had our tight end episode over on Gridiron Ratings, and here's the thing. 50% of the top 12 tight ends don't finish his top 12 tie-ins. I'm just going to say, yep. of the last two seasons, 12 of the 24 do not finish his top 12 tie-in. Only nine of the 24 finish at or better where they were drafted. So that's a, that's just taking in all the guys we've known, and we're not talking about a rookie, because a rookie is a totally different story. <laughs> because you have 11 of the 24 who finishes the tight end 15 or worse. Total bust. You didn't want him in your lineup. So now we're, so we're going to talk about what does Kyle Pitts now mean saying that he already has a 50-50 shot to fail? Well, here's the thing, right? Let's say he sets a record in every single rookie <laughs> category, right? Let's say he beats Jeremy Shockey's rookie total of 894 yards set in 2000. A lot of this is going to be Jeremy Shockey, right? Yep. Jeremy Shockey set the rookie record uh, dating back to 1990, and I believe it was further than that. But let's go back to 1990 with Jeremy Shockey. That 894 yards, 128 targets, 74 receptions, 
10 touchdowns with Rob Gronkowski in 2010. Cool. Right. Let's say he beats every single one of those, even the touchdowns. Right. 900 yards, 80 catches, 11 touchdowns. That's a great player. That's 236 fantasy points. Cool. That's wide receiver 15, which is basically where he's being drafted around. So he's because currently Chris Godwin, currently wide receiver 15 in terms of ADP, is right where Kyle Pitts is going behind. So that's his apex. That's saying he has 11 touchdowns, which was only done by about like 15 or 16 players last year. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, only nine rookie touchdowns have ever scored more than five touchdowns in their rookie year in NFL history. Okay, so I understand he's possibly the best tight end product we've ever seen. Cool. I will love I love him in 2022. In 2021, I don't want Kyle Pitts at where he's going, right? Because in the second year, second year tight ends, there's a jump. There's a big jump, and there's more players that are actually hitting certain stat thresholds. The records for those yards, targets, reception, touchdowns, 1377 by Kittle in 2018. 149 targets by Jimmy Graham in 2011, 99 receptions by Jimmy Graham in 2011, and 17 touchdowns in Robert Kowski. We're like, oh, cool, those are the records. But let's just talk about like stat thresholds. Where can they hit it? Rookies. How many rookies back to 1990 have hit 600 yards? Only five players. How many rookies have hit 70 targets? Only 10 players. How many rookies have hit 40 receptions? 21. And how many have scored five touchdowns or more? We have 14 in terms of total. That's going again. I know I said before, nine rookies have had more than five. It's including five. So six or more before from that. That's including five. So how about second year? 600, you jump from five to 27 tight ends. There's a 22 plus in just going into your second year. How about targets? We had 10 that hit 70. Now we have 46. How about receptions? We had 21 who hit 40. Now we have 56 who hit 40. In five touchdowns, we had 14 jumps to 36. There is an actual physical, we can see numbers progression going into their second year, being more comfortable in the NFL, being more used by play callers. 2021, Kyle Pitts, I think is a trap. Where he's going. He can set all the records in the world like we just said, and he's still just wide receiver 15, which is technically where he's going. So if he's being drafted at his ceiling, he sets a record in every single spot. Cool. You just have wide receiver 15, which is technically advantage of tight end. Cool. But you got what you're paid for, technically. And that's the ultimate apex sort of landing for him. If he steps any bit back from that, we're in problem. We have a real big problem. Now, you like him clearly as your tight end three in terms of your projections. Are you drafting him tight end three? Because we're talking about where Darren Waller is going, which is around like, to turn to round three. No, I'm not. I think he's the perfect example of a player. And I think you touched on kind of exactly what I wanted to say was he's the perfect example of a player of like the dichotomy or the juxtaposition between like what he is for redraft 2021 and what he was in rookie drafts for dynasty, because a player that was so worth it to pay up for, if you were in position to draft him or so worth it to pay up for, if you were drafting him in, you know, tight end premium dynasty startups like because i think as early as you had to take him in those dynasty formats you know he was going in um like in superflex tight end premium startups over the summer you had to pull like you know a third round startup you know pick on him to to if you wanted him on your team and it's rich for this year but the crazy thing about him in dynasty especially if you're talking tight end premium is like he might never get cheaper you know what i mean like if he hits that way and the thing that I saw some people floating out was like, oh, trade for Kyle Pitts in Dynasty like after he gets off to a slow start this year. But like if he gets off to a slow start this year, whoever invested that capital this year isn't 
if they're smart, isn't selling low that no, fast yeah. on them. You and then, hold. like, heaven forbid, <laughs> he lights the world on fire down the stretch. Like, good luck trying to get him next year. So, no, I I have him projected that way. And even when I looked at the Atlanta projections, I was like, whoo, man, that is rich. But I will have zero redraft shares of him because he'll never fall to me where I'd like to take him. In. So the good thing is for week one, he plays the Eagles. Yeah, Cool. We're going to have a fun week one. I kind of hope he just has like a five for 60 week one, just 11 points. Everyone's kind of, everyone's happy with 11 points. I'll take yeah. 11 points. You'll take 11 points. Okay. Well, week two, they got the bucks and week four, they got Washington. Those are amazing defenses. Uh, you know, the giants are thrown in there. They have a good secondary, actually good safeties there. So maybe a little bit worse than the tight ends. It gets a little bit more fun. Jets, Dolphins, Panthers, Saints after that, but not the best first week for the entire Atlanta offense, you know, kind of getting across that pass rush and, you know, what's it going to really be, you know, doing over there for the offensive line and stuff. So the thing about Pitts is I also saw that people were saying he should be moved over to a wide receiver. And that's a disaster if you draft yeah. him as a tight end because the third wide receiver 38 last year was Michael Gallup, who no one wants to care about apparently. And I think he's actually a pretty good value late, but yeah, I like Michael uh, Gallup. <laughs> Logan Thomas finished as a tight end three and he's was equal to Michael Gallup as wide receiver 38. So if he gets at 236 points, like Murray Cooper would be as the wide receiver 15, cool. But if any sort of time that his position changes, you're losing the advantage. That's the whole point of him being a tight end to begin with. We got to see what he look, you know, works against like actual press coverage. Can he be as dynamic and as amazing as we want to be in the NFL where he's playing professionals all the time? So I'm a little hesitant to be all in on the train for 2021. 2022, the jump that we just said, I saw before with those stats. Yeah, 100%. 2022, he might be going where Waller and Kildor are going right now. Yeah. But for 2021, uh, I'm just kind of not taking him. I, I'll miss the train if the train is that amazing, which it could possibly be. His range of outcomes is that. Yeah. It's a, te- it's a team that's going to be throwing you know, top five possibly in the NFL. They kind of need it to now with Julio Jones gone. You know, projections are going to vary about how many 600 plus, you know, targets are going to be thrown out everywhere. But uh, sorry, you know, uh, there's other pieces of Atlanta I'll rather target. And Kyle Pitts is just unfortunately not one of them. So I have him projected for 605 passing attempts in Atlanta. And I have my guy, Calvin Ridley, getting. 169 of them hell yeah i calvin ridley like so we talked about not paying the price for kyle pitts calvin ridley is the guy that i'm willing to draft him probably earlier than i would hope earlier than anybody else in like re, home redraft league stuff like that like calvin ridley is my guy at wide receiver this year i currently yeah. have him like redraft wise as my wide receiver two only behind Devontae adams i'm a five I, but that's an elite yeah. five so listen, yeah yeah i'm fine with he, it he, I think, is going to absolutely cook. I had him statted out for big things before the Julio trade. After the Julio trade, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's bonkers. It's crazy numbers. I have him statted out for 112 catches, almost 1,700 yards, and 10 touchdowns. And, like, I tried to dial it back. Like, <laughs> I can't. Like, I just can't get there. Um, there was this weird thing, like, pre-Julio trade, where people started kind of drawing the parallel between like, oh, when Julio gets traded, watch out for Calvin Ridley being the new Juju, like, you know, after AB was gone. Oh, because he needs a, yeah. And it's so unfair because no. Calvin Ridley averaged over 100 yards a game when Julio was out last year. 
Oh, I this got man, the numbers here. Yeah. Yeah. He's for the, for the folks. If you want to hear receiver and uh, I'm glad to hear you're just about as high on him as I am. So wide receiver five, like a, that's an elite group. I have him as like a top 15 pick. There's a, a lot of Jonathan Taylor news out there. I haven't had a Jonathan Taylor. I have that entire group ahead of him now. So if you want to talk about like where ranges of players are going, um, a little higher over ADP, like 15, he's going like around 20. You know, DK Metcalf is going ahead of him, and I don't like that particularly. Um, but yeah, so we had what seven games without Julio, uh, 20 point, 20.6 fantasy point average. He averaged 11.3 targets, averaged 7.1 receptions, and almost 110 yards. Uh, that's cool because that's if you're saying I have an 18 point basically floor without including the touchdowns. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. Now we're implying that that's going to continue and that's, you know, yada, 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 this and that. But I agree with you on one thing. I think he can lead the league in targets. I think that's important. You know, of that top five, you know, maybe, maybe Adams beats him out. Possibly yeah. because how focused that offense was last year, it was pretty much just, you know, you had Jones, Adams, and then Tunyon kind of came in there. The only team that had three players that had double digit touchdowns, the only NFL this year was the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, 169 targets is possibly low. Like, yeah, know, that's that's the real thing is that there's another the only other player I thought might get up to that point. Uh, we were all kind of downgrading was, in fact, Michael Thomas. Yeah, I thought that offense was going to really need him that heavily. So Ridley, that's his big thing. Can he have them out touchdowns that, you know, Adams might have or Diggs might have? No, because those guys were like leading the NFL in those categories last year. But targets, targets is money. If you can just have a stable amount of looks every week, he doesn't have to catch every single ball. But if it comes out with five, six, seven. 80 plus yards because even like it's 110 yards that's a lot yeah <laughs> that's a lot to average it's <laughs> <is> a lot <laughs> but man he can really do it so yeah calvin ridley you want to have him too cool you want to have him five cool but i think having any lower than five i think is a little bit of a, a little understatement i think he is locked in as number five in some regard one two three four five whatever sort of range you want to put him i think that's just that's his sweet spot six and lower no thank you yeah, I think that's fair. It's tough to it's it'd be really tough for me to seeing him outside the top five would be like, you know, I'm gonna get mad online. I'm gonna get triggered <laughs> about him not being in the top five. <laughs> Calvin Ridley's my guy. The rest of the, the the Falcons is like there was you know, Mike Davis has some has some value right now. Hey, but, hey, you know, hey that's uh, my boy right there. I like Mike Davis. I I have some concern that, you know, eventually he seeds some of that work there, but for the time being he's I think a decent value right now and somebody that I like strangely ended up with a ton of dynasty shares of last year, like trying to acquire cheap running back depth for playoff pushes. Yeah. I mean, he can, what he can do technically as it stands right now, considering what the head coach and offensive coordinator came from offenses that were using one running back. So primarily, you know, bears and the, the, the uh, Tennessee Titans, those were two and three in terms of offensive uh, running back snaps for one player last year. If Mike Davis, and I don't think he's going to hit that. And he was having heavy workloads with Carolina in 2020 top finished top 12 in points was bad on the points per game basis. Cause he missed, you know, a lot of stars because Christian McCaffrey, but if they're going to use him as a player who can be dynamic, you know, running and receiving, I think he's better as a receiving back. But 1,100 yard season last year with the 55 receptions was good enough for top 12. Because if he's going to stay healthy, and you know, I, Atlanta can change the situation anytime. I'm technically a Mike Davis guy because I don't think Quadri Olson and Javine Hawkins can do enough dynamically to really take away the receiving work. And the receiving work is what I care about here. Yeah. If Quadri Olson wants to carry the ball 10 times for 42 yards and do nothing else and just run at huge dudes and then throw them to the ground, <laughs> that doesn't 
fantasy carries matter so much less than receptions. Yeah, like, so much less. Like it took almost 400 freaking carries for Derrick Henry to have a season he did last year. Like, sure, it's just a totally different ball game where you're getting just free receptions. Dave Montgomery was a perfect case out of last year. The touchdowns he had 10 touchdowns, he had 55 receptions. I think that changes all this year. And was like, why is Dave Montgomery being ranked so low? Because I don't think he's going to have 55 catches. I think Mike Davis can have 55 catches, and if he's being possibly featured in this offense and he's being looked at so cheaply, he's possibly the cheapest. Featured running back you can get in the NFL. Miles Gaskin is also possibly in that conversation, but you know we're not looking at, in that range of guys we're talking about. Is like you know Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt and uh, Miles Sanders and these old guys. I'm not particularly excited about, and they're kind of like in weird timeshare situations. Or how Kareem Hunt is like a running back closer. Forty eight percent of his touches last year came in the yeah. fourth quarter because Nick Chubb was tired because he's so damn good at the football. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do like Mike Davis. I, you know, I don't have him in that that, you know, technically I have him ranked behind, you know, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, and uh Clyde Hilaire, but there's a drop off. It's like you're filling in the yeah. receivers before you get to Mike Davis. Right. But I'm a believer in how much this team's gonna be passing the ball. And we saw Todd Gurley have some good weeks, and that dude had one and a half legs. Yeah. So. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> The oldest 27-year-old man on the planet. Yeah, it's Dr. weird that he's my age. Uh, yeah, it's, it, he doesn't seem like it. Everyone just kind of <laughs> just beats it down with the age. But but Tom Brady at 44, is no one wants to talk about it. Still going. <laughs> man, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was great fun. Please plug where people can follow you on Twitter. Plug anything good that you have coming this season so people can check it out. I don't know if it shows awesome on work. the screen somewhere. Matt Methodical one. I'm trying to get the guy who has at Methodical to stop being suspended so I can take his account. <laughs> but uh, at Gridiron Ratings, uh, please, you know, first, like, subscribe, do whatever you want with uh, where you can find this podcast that Anthony was so kind to have me on. But after you do that, so do that first, and then Come over to the Gridiron Rings YouTube channel or go to gridironsring.com. Look at our ranks. I'm an extra ranker on Fancy Pros, but like, subscribe, check out our, you know, we're doing once a week right now for the Grind Rings redraft show, which me and my co-host Jeff DiMatteo ahead. Uh, more stuff coming in the season. So look out for that. But we're going to be doing all the weekly stuff. Redraft, you know, right now in my time. No more dynasty, yeah. no more best ball crap. <laughs> it's all redraft now. This is my time to the shine. Redraft guys get to shine right now. <laughs> this is this is your time. We we the dynasty heads, we had our time, you know. Yeah, February, no, you're March. Like we'll we see had you again, our <laughs> Yeah, we'll see you again in February. You could talk about college, which I hate. I hate college football. The timeline becomes like a dark, <laughs> gloomy place. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. We'll definitely do this again and i love uh, it we finally got to link up and do one of these sounds good all right later man thanks again to matt for taking the time to join me on this week's episode of the podcast and break down everything we need to know about the nfc south that's going to wrap it up for today we'll be back next week with another episode talking afc south and uh we'll we got a couple more weeks we'll wrap up all the division previews before we'll be at regular season time just before you know it so i appreciate all the support as always tune in next week and i look forward to talking to you guys then thanks